There is many ways to tell a story. So when it comes down to the script of your life, for immigration purposes, you want to make sure there's no compromise. An attorney is the one who communicates your story through documents and paperwork, as we found out in the last episode. So your lawyer needs to really get you. In that first free consultation, you probably understand what lies ahead. It's just enough information to tell your panicking parents on the next Skype call that there is a plan. How this plan relates to you is something only an attorney can verify. Whether you and your professional credits are in good enough standing to procure this visa. The answer to this suspenseful question does not usually come pro bono. And so you want to make sure that whatever the answer, they're going to be there with you to help figure things out. In this interview with Liz and Lorraine of DLG Immigration, we reopen some of last episode's discussion points to further speculation and a deeper perspective. Aliens with visas. To begin with, let's get a quick understanding of what CPT and OPT are. A lot of you might be in the stage. There's two things to keep in mind before you start on both. Curricular practical training is what hap- it's it's work authorization that happens during your your time of study, okay? And it actually goes toward the completion of your study. So counting toward your graduation, which is OPT is hap- is optional because it's not part of the curricula. It's not part of the field of study. It's after. So um, now it's OPT like CPT though are you know work authorizations that are related to your field of study. So um, you know so you're supposed to be doing things that are you know directly related. So if you are an aspiring filmmaker yet you are taking accounting classes, you you get the drift. You're not supposed to then shift over, you know, to um, film TV when you're supposed to be doing accounting related work. Okay. So um, and 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 CPT is really going to be um, contingent on um, the time that you're spending in school, um, whereas OPT um, typically lasts for about a, a year. Every program is a little different, though. You have to check it. Um, and then um, p- those that are happen to be also studying in STEM programs, which is sciences, technology, um, uh, and maths, engineering, um, <clears throat> you know, you can you can apply for uh, extension uh, now. The Trump administration has put us all on notice that this may no longer be the case. We may no longer be able to do that extension. So, um, those of you know those of our, our clients that are in uh, art, the art stream, though we of course there's been no speak of any impact happening there. If you have OPT, any anything that you work on related to your field of study in the arts is authorized during the time of the OPT. If you choose not to do the OPT, but yet you have been working on productions here in the States, even if you're not compensated, it becomes difficult for us to be able to present those credits that you've done in the U.S. without employment authorization as part of future visa applications, because it raises the question of, well, were you working on these productions without employment authorization? Mm -hmm. And then if you come back and you say, oh, well, I wasn't compensated, so it wasn't work, 
that only applies sometimes. But then also it begs the question, well, are you extraordinary in your field if you're not compensated for any of your work? It kind of goes against that argument. So really, like Lorraine said, having the OPT really can be useful for anyone who wants to be able to use the credits that they've been working on in the States as part of a future visa application. So work in your related field and make sure you get some form of compensation if you plan on contesting for an artist visa in the future. If you want to get paid, you need to have employment authorization. Wow, OPT doesn't feel so optional anymore. You need that OPT card to do all of it. So, um, well, OPT, let's get into it. As an editor, for example, how best can I use this period? In my head, it makes sense to look for a gig as an assistant editor, maybe. But those jobs are hard to come by and never full time. And I still got bills to pay. When we're talking about a job offer, so the nature of the entertainment industry tends to lean towards project-based employment as opposed to full-time, every day, every week, nine-to-five employment. Um, So, you know, it's rare, I would say, from my experience in processing hundreds or thousands of entertainment industry visas, that there are full-time for multiple year, you know, uh, for multiple years, employment offers available for you know, you said editors, but, you know, you can replace that with basically almost any position within within the entertainment industry. So, I mean, if you are one of the few who are fortunate enough to get that kind of full-time year-in, year-out offer, then yes, you should absolutely you know, foster that relationship during your your studies, during your OPT time, because that certainly can be, depending on what your profession as an artist is, that can be a good option. Now, for everyone else in the entertainment industry who does work on a project basis, um, you know, the visa that is the most common is the O-1 visa. Now, in order, the O-1 visa is the only temporary U.S. visa that will allow the artist to work for multiple employers, okay? But in order to be able to do that, the petitioner for the O-1 visa has to be some type of representative. It's actually called an agency-based petition. Um, So for people in film and TV, uh, the petitioner for this kind of application, which then allows you to work for all these different production companies, um, I would say is most commonly a a talent agent or talent manager. Um, It could also be a business manager or some other type of representative um, who basically will agree to represent both the artist and any companies who are making them offers to work in the U.S. during the time they're they're applying for the visa. So I would say that finding a petitioner um, is important, you know, whether it's, you know, a, a, a talent rep or a business manager. Um, maybe just as important or more important is, you know, in addition to having the representative for an O-1 visa, you do also have to have offers of employment to work in your field. So if you're an editor, then you are going to also, in addition to having this representative, you're going to look for offers from production companies who will hire you 
to work as an editor during the time you're asking for the visa. Okay, so, and, and that's, both of them are requirements for the visa, so they're both important. So you will wanna be um, looking for both of them. Now the, obviously the, the benefit to finding the offer for the O-1 visa is that it doesn't have to be a guaranteed full-time nine-to-five job where you're guaranteed to earn the prevailing wage that the U.S. government has set out. There's a lot more flexibility on the terms, and they can absolutely be projects, which they usually are. Um, you know, you will look for different projects to cover the time you're asking for the visa, mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot more flexibility, and so that allows the employers a lot more, um, I would say, relief in that regard. Right, so focus on project-based offers and finding a petitioner. I guess you can keep an eye out for nine-to-five year-in-year-out contracts, but this is super rare in this industry, that's true. Um, just making sure if there's any other way. I've heard of this thing called the performance visa. There's a P1 visa that is for performance groups with, um, with a history of international acclaim. Mm -hmm. So it's actually very similar to the O1, except that it applies to groups um, as opposed to individuals. So it's not, so yes, there is a P1 visa. It doesn't serve as like a intermediate like step between a student visa and an O-1 Extraordinary Ability visa. Um, and actually for the P-1 visa, you have to show international acclaim, whereas for the O-1, you can just show national acclaim. Okay, so let's get back to the O-Visa track. I know that besides finding a petitioner and getting job offers, you need credits, recommendations, and awards. You know, is that what's usually tough for aspirants, that part of the uh, process? For artists who are coming out of school, I would say that the the biggest bottleneck it tends to be in two areas. The first one being the the number of credits and the quality of those credits. Mm. Um, you know, in order to be well qualified for the O1 visa, they want to see that the artist has had a large integral role. So not an assistant position, you know, if you're a performer, not a background position, but, you know, one of the, the primary positions on a production with a distinguished reputation, which means they want to see that that production has visibility. Okay, I would say that um, for for students and also for other filmmakers, especially at the beginning of their career, the, the most common uh, arena to do that is gonna be film festivals. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it can be television, it can be theatrical release, DVD. Now, it can be online if you can show that there are a lot of viewers online. So just putting something on the internet is not in and itself going to meet this requirement for this visa. Um, so I think it's the credits and then also the job offer letters. You know, those are the two areas where I think that people get get held up the most. Um, you know, so one of the questions you mentioned earlier, should you work on your credits or work on the job offer? Okay, so you, in theory, you can always work on your credits abroad from home. While you're here, I think that it's really key to make those relationships for those job offers. You know, so 
should you build your credits? Yes. But can you apply for a visa without a job offer? No. Got it. Priority, job offer, and petitioner. Then you focus on credits where it's number of credits and quality of credits. Quality is assessed based on visibility. Thing is, I'm considered entry level in my field. A master's degree really doesn't mean you get to start as a head writer or producer. Does U.S. immigration get this? It's going to take me a few years to become Oprah. The American immigration system, whether or not it understands it either doesn't understand the entertainment industry or it understands it perfectly and has decided that it only wants the top level people and not those people that that are working their way up. So I'm not sure which of those two is true, but you are absolutely right that there are not good visa options available for people in entry level positions, especially in production. Um, They really are looking for people to be able to show that they have those, um, those higher level credits. So And, you know, for people who work in production and especially as producers, we do see, I I have definitely seen, I'm sure Lorraine has too, um, times when you have have enough credits as a producer to get approved as an O-1 visa as a producer. But then when you actually go to work, you know, you're right, they don't generally hire people on as a producer from from day one, they want you to start as a production assistant. And unfortunately, the O-1 visa doesn't legally allow you to work as a PA. Um, You know, depending on how it's filed, you might be able to get away with, you know, production manager, line producer, you know, certain credits that are probably just below, you know, just underneath producer on the food chain. But those entry level positions are just not going to be covered. So really, you're looking for other possible, you know, creative solutions for those if you're one of those few lucky people who get that permanent job offer from a production company, um, you know, but there, there are not a lot of good options to let anyone work as like a PA or those entry level positions. Um, there are certain visas that apply not just to entertainment industry that may be appropriate for certain types of training uh, purposes, for certain types of internships. Um, actually, the OPT is a fantastic time to e- use for entry level work in the field. I think a big holdup for a lot of people is how the heck am I supposed to get this offer? I don't know anyone. How could I do it? Think about it this way. Who do you know anyone else who's gotten an O-1 visa? Have they gotten approved for an O-1 visa? They may be in a position to provide you with the offer to come and collaborate on a project. Okay. Number one, number two, we recognize foreign productions as being able to provide an offer. So the offer doesn't necessarily have to be American. That's why there's such a difference between reading the regs, reading the criteria, and then talking with an attorney that can help you pick your brain and, and, and sort of you know offer different ways of looking at it, um, ways that have been successful that are successful in getting there. Um, so you know the current. Uh, with the current climate, the very, I mean, this is the time to be listening to this podcast right now. I mean, this is the most, um, you know, kind of, um, 
potentially groundbreaking um, time for for immigration that we've seen in a really long time. So um, so the fact that you've got you know two powerhouses here in entertainment immigration telling you guys that there still is a pathway to get there. Um, in terms of knowing whether that will change, it's impossible for anyone to tell you that. Um, I think that it's unlikely for him to go after entertainment immigration. However, I probably would have also told you it was unlikely for him mm-hmm. to go after a Muslim ban, you know, um, or even you tech. know, and yet tech. here we are. It's a war on tech. And that's really what it is, um, you know, a war on tech. So, um, you know, however, we have the resources, we have the um, even internal lobbying connections for policy and legislation to help you get there and reach your goals. So. I learned very early on in life that it's all about your A-team. It's all about putting together an A-team to help you get there. And um, and I think this applies to a lot of things in life. And so, but especially in conquering U.S. immigration, you know, so, um, you know, so I, yeah, so it, just don't think of attorneys as being, you know, I think there's a lot of like myths and, and stuff. If you do your homework and you find the right people, um, it should be a very positive, empowering experience. Thank you, Lorraine. Totally right about that feeling of, I don't know where to start and this whole thing seems unlikely. I'm sold on the importance of my A-team. Where and how do I find this perfect attorney? I think it is important to shop around. And it's important. And when you shop around, um, I, and I'm an immigrant myself, okay? So I've gone through this process, you know, firsthand from Canada. Um, find out, and this is what I didn't do, and this is what you should do. Find out what services they're going to be offering you. It's not just about getting a visa. It's about, indeed, you need to know their, you know, is, you know, are they going to assess, of course, eligibility for approval rates? Do you know other people that have gone through this firm and gotten approvals? Okay. Do they, if you don't, do they have available testimonials? Um, You know, um, maybe they might, put you in touch with someone who's gone through, you know, their office before. Um, um, I think it's important to find out the customer service end. Um, certainly if it's entertainment visas you're looking at, there is a lot of writing involved. And even if you're looking employ a non-entertainment employment based, there's letters that have to be written. Are you going to be handed a bunch of templates and told, go ahead, it's all yours, or are they going to take the reins and help you with the drafting and, and sort of, you know, really detailed assistance with, with helping you put this together? Um, are you going to be given a checklist and sent on your way? How available are they going to be to you? So these are really important questions that um, should be answered um, in this search for, you know, the right attorneys. Um, I, I, uh, how do you find out about, I mean, I would, I would keep, you know, I guess an ear to the ground on other people, referrals from other people. Um, I mean, heck, I mean, online presence, uh, you know, especially, I mean, we have, we work with a lot of artists and a lot of people in tech and they are just very active on social media. So they have, sort of carried the flag of the approvals that are coming out of our office 
on social media. So you can actually find out a lot about our firm on social media. <laughs> um, uh, and our Instagram sort of reads like a portfolio even. So, um, I mean, this is 2017 and this is what it's about. So, um, I, I would have, I mean, I'd have a look there, you know, um, but would I type in, you know, find the best entertainment attorney in L in LA on Google? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, use that as, you know, as the way to, to find, you know, um, you know, I, I think Yelp is an interesting thing. Um, Yelp for law firms. Um, I know, I mean, I use Yelp a lot for restaurants. Um, I think law is very different than, you know, picking out a meal that you're going to maybe spend one to two hours enjoying. Um, I, I, um, you know, I, I would certainly dig a lot deeper than just Yelp, um, you know, to find the immigration counsel you want to use. Um, I would really look at, at this firm and how the, or the, ver the varieties of firms and how active they are in the communities that you want to work in because that would then show you how passionate they are about that field and uh, and then what the community thinks of them because ultimately they would have to support that collaboration. I, I mean you can do you can do it, but I would say to find to truly find the best immigration counsel, uh, I think you should take into consideration what I just did. So referrals from other attorneys. Um, I would say membership. Uh, look at membership in um, you know certain you know guild societies that keep lawyers up to date on the laws. That's important. So do you have a lawyer that's awake at the switch? Well, if they are a member of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, an active member of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, then there's a good chance that they are awake at the switch because that organization is very active, keeps everyone up to date. So I would do that. I would also go and um, check out the State Bar website. I would make sure that no attorneys have criminal records, uh, cr sorry, disciplinary records. Of course, they <laughs> of course, don't hire an attorney with criminal work, but, um, but disciplinary, yeah. you know, people don't check, you know, so um, yeah, I do that too. To sum it up, details regarding their services, some form of testimonials, community engagement, transparency. It helps to partner with someone who understands the industry just so that the creative solutions provided are actually viable. For instance, you'll invariably be told to work on your credits. How do you do that? What counts as a credit? Whose stamp of approval do you need? You know, is that letter of recommendation supposed to come from the director of the shoot or just the immediate boss? And what should that recommendation look like? All of these questions, you'd be surprised to know that there are firms who won't really be of any help in this regard. You know, just staying on the cutting edge of what is entertainment now. Yeah. Um, that's a good weapon to have with your legal team, that yeah. they can explain it and get results. I, I think we did some of the very first cases for social influencers, getting them approved purely for social influencing. And um, and that also straddles gaming as well. We help people change their lives, so it's pretty <laughs> exciting. I mean, when people get approved or when they make that big production deal or they do, I mean, it, it's life-changing. And I think most people, when they when they do the higher education abroad 
you know experience it's not the money is an issue but we're used to spending money on yeah. one thing after the other it's hard when you don't know who to trust and you have less time yeah i mean it's just if you do your homework mm. I, i mean even my own life so i myself was in the fashion world before i got into doing law and so that appreciation of being an immigrant mm. as well as being an artist and having to deal with the guy with the badge and the gun yeah. um also having contracts thrust in my face and yes. And, you know, and there are certain things that happened to me along the way in the fashion world that were just not right from a contractual standpoint at all. And now that I'm an attorney, I know that and I could have had rights to X, Y and Z and even my own portfolio for that matter. But, um, you know, now I'm here to tell you what you can protect and keep and yeah. and all that. So it's it's truly just an honor to 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 be able to do that. If you want to live and work in the U.S. as an artist, it definitely seems possible. Some will have it harder than others. It's not level ground. There is no guarantee that you will get that visa. But there exists a framework, and this is what I wanted to highlight in these few episodes. The sooner you know of this, the quicker you can draw your attention to the real burning question. Do you want this? This is not just a work visa that's valid for three years or five. This is a life in America, and in time, becoming quote-unquote American. It's a thought that's looming in your head from the moment you land in this country, especially in the classroom where you get your first real taste of the people, the culture, and the norms in this society. You often wonder, will I ever fit in? I spoke about awareness in The Power of a Moment earlier, That refers to a radical shift in attitude. Where there is no time to waste, clarity is urgent when you're trying to decide whether you should commit to the visa process. It comes a lot easier at this stage of the immigrant journey if you've really experienced life out here so far, beyond your ascribed student identity. If you've lived and breathed the American experience, there's some things that are bound to catch your attention. More on this in the next episode. Aliens with Visas is a contemplative look at the journey of a student immigrant. The podcast is supported by AWV Videos on Facebook, their humorous take on student problems, and the deep dive blog section on the website. Thank you for listening. Do leave a rating and review if you like the show. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much any podcast app. You can also listen directly on the website, alienswithvisas.com. That's all. See you soon.